Good morning. Thank you so much, guys. I feel a little, again, guilty that I get to be here and see that and be a part of that uh, in the room. But thank you for joining us online, those of you on Facebook, those of you that are on our website. Uh, we're grateful that you have taken some time to join us today. I just want to encourage you this morning to believe. I just want to encourage you to believe. And so even, even today, I'm just kind of looking at, I was trying to do this, and I'm not, I really am like technologic, more technologically, technologically challenged than I thought I was. And so, like, I'm trying to see who's here on this thing, and I probably shouldn't. There's Elaine. There's Sabrina. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Miss Pat. Uh, and then, uh, thanks for, for selling us stuff up there at Publix. It's always on there. I see a few people. I don't know. This can get distracting for me. I just wanted to say good morning to you and let you know that we see you, and um, other folks are online to interact with you. If you have a need, you can contact us here someone already contacted looking for help with some easter and uh things and so if you uh if just just feel free to interact there on facebook or just on the connection card link on our website uh, that'd be great i normally don't dress like this usually it's like a uh it's either a funeral or a wedding uh but this easter is so weird i figured i'd just go ahead and be weird anyway and so we just figured we'd just dress up and uh do something different um although i'm not sure how i can, if i can make it the whole time it's kind of warm in here but um i better close this because that's going to that's gonna mess me up. So let me just do that. And then um, if Matthew has anything to tell me, he can just text me or something. That'll work. And so um, we'll, we'll get there. But I'm so thankful you're here today. If you have a Bible, go get one. Go find one. You can download one on your phone. What I want you to do is I want you to read this for yourself. And I want you to open to John chapter 20. And this Bible, it's about there. It's near the back almost. Because there's a whole lot of Old Testament up front. And then there's that. And so from John chapter 20. Um, you move on through there. And so John chapter 20, beginning, uh, we're going to kind of look at this whole chapter. Uh, we're going to work our way to the end. But so even, even this morning, even this morning, Easter just doesn't look the way that I thought it was going to look this year. You know, Easter doesn't look the way we thought it would look. It doesn't look the way we expected it to look. And so what, we're, what, we, what we have is, is unmet expectations uh, that we're facing right now. And, and a lot of times it's not even to do with, with this whole coronavirus thing, just the way life is sometimes. It's not what we expected it to be. And so what we have is, is a situation where we thought life would look one way, and now it turns out it looks a completely different way. And so, so when you face things like this, you, you have two responses. You can either question God or you can trust God. You can question God or you can doubt God or you can believe. You can believe what he said. You can believe uh, who he is. And that's, that's what I want to encourage you to do. In fact, that's what happened the very first Easter morning that John recorded for us because he was there and he wrote this. This is an eyewitness account that we have in John chapter 20. But see, we all have times where we realize our lives don't look the way that we thought they would. Sometimes that's a great thing. You know, sometimes you sit back and you just say, man, how amazing is my life? How great is, is my life this, this year? I, I never thought it would be this great. In fact, I, I heard this week about a husband that said to his wife, he said, honey, I just want you to know, I just am so thankful. I'm so grateful that I get to be quarantined. To be quarantined with someone that I love spending time with. And we, get, we get to be together. I've always wanted to be together. I get to stay home from work, and I get to be with you and see you every day. And, and, and I'm just so grateful. I never imagined life that this quarantine thing could be this good because I'm just going to be with you. It's just so great to, to be able to spend time with someone you enjoy during quarantine. And his wife looked at him and kind of smiled and said, it must be nice. 
It must be nice to spend time with someone you enjoy being around. And so, so, so he's there, and, and, and you get there, and so one person's thinking, this is better than I expected. The other person is thinking, what have I gotten myself into? I thought it would be different. I thought I'd have some space. I thought we'd have freedom. I thought we'd be doing a giant egg hunt all together with hundreds of kids and doing all these things, and here we are stuck at home. And so kind of to do that, I kind of dressed up for you, but maybe you've dressed up. In fact, you could do that. You could post your pictures online if you're, as you're watching as you're watching with us or in your Sunday best or your Sunday pajamas, whatever it is. Just go ahead and share those with us. Uh, that'll be great. But this Easter is just not what we expected it to be. It's just not what, we, what it looked like. But maybe it's not just Easter. Maybe it wasn't even 2020. Maybe 2019 was not what you wanted it to be. Maybe you thought things were going to look different. You, you were supposed to be in a different place financially. Your marriage was supposed to look different than it was. You were supposed to be married, and you're not yet. Or you were supposed to stay married, and you didn't. Or you, you, you were in a marriage that was, you were hoping would get better, and it's only gotten worse. Or maybe your kids your kids were supposed to turn out one way. They were going to make, start making wise decisions, and it just seems like they haven't. I mean, you know, there's still hope. You can still believe, because Jesus is Lord. He is risen from the dead. And what we celebrate today affects all of these things. And so, so what do we do when we realize things are not the way we wanted them to be? What do we do? Well, we're not the first ones to face this situation. See, see Jesus' disciples woke up on a Sunday morning, not unlike this Sunday morning, on the first day of the week. And they've been following Jesus, walking with Jesus, living with Jesus for, for three years, three and a half years. And as he walked this way, he healed people, helped people, fed people, taught the truth, delivered people. Even in their minds, they thought he was going to kick out Rome and set up this kingdom. And they would argue about who would be greatest in that new kingdom. And then that kingdom never materialized in their lifetime the way that they thought that it would. In fact, what ended up happening is Jesus, Jesus was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was tried and he was publicly beaten and suffered physically he was hung naked on a cross in front of everyone publicly in front of his mom in front of everyone he was there and he suffered and he died and he was buried and and these disciples that said they would stick with him these disciples that thought it was going to look one way they they fled they left him at the cross we see john there but peter the boldest and bravest one has denied him three times and left and so there's a small group of women, the Apostle John, at the foot of the cross as Jesus dies and he's buried and he's in the tomb for three days. And this is the third day where we pick up the story in John chapter 20. Wednesday night we looked at John 17. Today we're going to briefly look at John chapter 20. In fact, I want you to read this whole chapter for yourself later, but we're going to hit the highlights of it. In fact, I want us to go to the very end of it and show you why John wrote this. If you would, if you would, look at John chapter 20, verse 30. In John chapter 20, verse 30, Jesus says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things, these things are written. So in other words, Jesus did a lot of things that were not written in the book, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's what we want for you. We want you to see that you can have life in Jesus. That's what Easter is about. It's not just about eggs. It's not just about whatever these weird suits are. It's not all this stuff. It's about, it's about Jesus. And, and so if you will believe, if you will trust Jesus. And some of you, you've had a hard time with this because of religious people in your past, because of unmet expectations, because you thought if you would start to follow Jesus, then all of a sudden everything would get easier and it got harder. Whatever the reason, I want you to know that still today, no matter where you've been or what you've done or where you've gone, if you will trust Jesus today, in fact, the gospel says that if you will turn from your sin and place your faith in him, you can be forgiven, you can have eternal life. 
That's what I want you to see today. I want you to get this. I want you to see this for yourself. And that's why John writes this. He says, I'm writing these things so you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he is risen, that he is alive. So right now, so right now, I want you to just join me. We're going to walk through John chapter 20. I want you to see a few people here. In fact, the first witnesses to the resurrection were not what you would expect them to be. If you, if you were, in fact, there was, there's, a, there's this famous quote, I don't, I don't have it included here, by, by C.S. Lewis, where he talks about Jesus is either a liar or a lunatic or he's a lord, but I think there are skeptics. If you're like, I used to be a skeptic, a skeptic could also say, well, maybe he's a legend. Maybe all this is just something that people made up, and this is something they made up to, to kind of make this happen. And he says, no, no, no. If you were making a legend, you wouldn't write it this way. If you were trying to write something to convince people uh, that Jesus really rose from the dead, you would pick different people to be witnesses to his resurrection. You'd pick different people to be his disciples, and then you sure wouldn't reveal their weakest uh, character traits. But that's exactly what John records for us, because he was there and he saw it. And so if you, if you, if you have your Bible, if you have that open, look at with me at John chapter 20. Because Mary, Mary Magdalene, she, she, she woke up to a very different circumstance than she had expected to. Her, her Savior, her Lord, her Master, the one that had delivered her from seven demons was supposedly in a tomb. If you, let's read it together. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken from the tomb. Now, as we, as we talk about Mary, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to do this. As we talk about Mary, um, we'll see that Mary Magdalene is a, a person, really, that, that she's the first witness to the fact that Jesus' body is no longer in the grave. I'm going to step off camera and throw this over here. That Jesus is no longer in the grave. And now, as you see that, when, when you see this, if you know who Mary is, you, would think you, wouldn't, you wouldn't make this up. You wouldn't put her in there as the first one if you're trying to create a legend. John says, I'm writing this so you will believe. And, and in order to believe, he's going to let the first, he's recording because it really happened. The very first witness to the resurrection was someone that in that day, in that day couldn't even testify in a court of law. Someone in that day who was oppressed, who was the least of these. Mary Magdalene, her last name was not Magdalene. It's, she came from a town called Magdala. It was, um, it was a seaport town. It was known for um, uh, really great commerce, for dyes and cloths and some textile manufacturing. We think Mary probably had um, some money because she's going around looking to take care of Jesus' body at the end of this thing. And so she's, she's maybe a woman of means. But Mary Magdalene was also a woman that was the town she was from. And so she's known by the town she's from, Mary Magdalene from Magdala. It's kind of like if you call the radio talk show or the sports radio and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're Joe from Jersey or whatever you would be, you know, SoCal Sam. Or if you were me, you'd be Mike from Middleburg Mike, Mike from Middleburg or, or, or whatever. So that's who, that's who Mary Magdalene is. And Mary Magdalene has been a really close follower of Jesus all through his ministry. She's, she's, she's all through the Gospels. But if you, if you look back at Luke chapter... Um, in Luke chapter 9, I think it was, I wrote it in Luke 8, I'm sorry, Luke 8, 2, we see that, that Mary has seven demons cast out of her. In fact, her town is known, it's kind of like Vegas, it's known as a town that maybe there was a lot of sinfulness going on. Now, now Mary, some people, legend has come in and said some things about Mary that makes her look worse than the Bible portrayed The Bible doesn't really tell us how sinful she was, but we know that she had seven demons, and so if you had one, that'd be bad. And so this is someone that's tormented. This is someone that was hurting. This is someone 
who everyone else would have looked at and said, that person is out of their mind. That person is never going to be of use to anybody. She's someone we just need to keep away from us. She's going to cause problems. She's, gonna, she's someone that's messed up. She didn't fit the mold. She was someone that had seven demons, and Jesus cast them out of her. And after that, she's forgiven. She's loved, and so she is, she's following Jesus. And she's someone no one expected to. And so some of you today, listen, 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 other people, religious people may have written you off, but I'm telling you, when Jesus sees people that religious people wrote off, he loves them. He loves you. And he says, I, even though this is, you're just watching this because it's Easter and you're supposed to and your mom asked you to or whatever you're doing, he's saying, listen, I want you to know I love you. And no matter where you've been or what you've done, I can forgive you. I can deliver you. You can find life in me. That's what Mary found. And Mary keeps following him. And as she follows him, she ends up at this tomb on Resurrection Sunday. And she's the first person in all of history that we see that's acknowledging, and it's in John's record, of, of us uh, seeing that Jesus is not in the grave anymore. Now, she doesn't understand it. It's unexpected for her. She's expecting the body to be there, which is still kind of a bummer. Like even where she's going, she's thinking, well, his, his body's there. I'm going to go take care of it and wrap it in. Just, just care for the, the grave and put some flowers there and all these things. She's going to take care of it. And when she shows up, she comes to the tomb and she saw the stones taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now, now Peter, Peter, if, if he had a name, it'd be presumptuous Peter, right? Peter, the only time he opens his mouth is to put his other foot in it, right? He's the guy that's always saying the wrong things, saying things too quickly. If you remember the story, if you know the story, before this, as before Jesus goes to get crucified, Peter said, Lord, everybody else will deny you. I'll never will. And then you know what he did? He denied him three times. Three times. So he's, he's failed. He's blown it. He's messed up. Peter, that's the one. And this, this other person here where he says it's the disciple that Jesus loved. The disciple that Jesus loved is, um, is John. All through this book, that's who, who, who's, who he's known as. Is the disciple Jesus loved. That's a nickname that John gave himself. And so he tells them, listen, he says, in fact, in fact, if we were to give John a name, he, he had a nickname. Jesus gave him a nickname. They were called the Sons of Thunder, James and John. They were these big fishermen. They were kind of, I don't know, just brash and bold and maybe even a little extreme. In fact, in, in, in Luke chapter 9, some people had rejected Jesus. And, and, and James and John, they go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, why don't we just call fire from heaven and kill all this whole like, town? Just wipe them all out. They're extreme. They're rough guys. So it would be just kill them, John, presumptuous Peter. Mary Magdalene, I don't know, what, what's, what's your thing? What's the thing people say about you? You think this is what makes it where God could never use me, God could never forget me. Is it just, just, just I don't know, is, is it lust? Is it failure? Is it an addiction? What is it that you think defines you, that identifies you? Jesus says, listen, I'm not worried about what other labels people put on you. I'm not worried about what people look. When, they, when I see someone that's willing to surrender to me, I'll take just kill him, John. I'll take presumptuous Peter. I'll take Mary Magdalene. I'll take messed up people, messed up Mike, and say, you know what? I can still work through them. I still love them. I still use you. Right? How far are you gone? What you've done? There's hope in Jesus. There's life in him, in fact. And apparently James, I mean, Peter and John are staying in a house that's separate from the other disciples. And so Mary runs to get them. And there, there could have been, she's gathering up other women. We know from other gospel accounts there, there are others there as well. And so she's going to get them. And she goes and tells him. She's the first person that, that brings the news that Jesus is no longer in the grave. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now I love this account because John is writing. He says, So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple, that's John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It's funny to me that he puts that in there. Now, now, the reality is, that's what really happened. And probably John was much younger. 
John's much younger than Peter, and so these guys are going to the tomb, and, 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 and John notes that he gets there first. And Peter's much older, and Peter dies longer, but long before John does. John's, as far as we know, the last disciple left living. It's when he writes the book of Revelation. He's been exiled. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos because he followed Jesus. He's willing to suffer for Jesus. Peter was died, ultimately crucified upside down. Something had to happen between this time and that time in order for Peter, who denied Christ, even after he sees the resurrected Lord, wants to go back fishing. Something happens in here that makes it where he is not just running scared, but he's boldly proclaiming Jesus on Easter, on, on Pentecost Sunday, on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And he's actually willing at the end of his life, from what we know from history, from what we understand, to be crucified for his own faith. But to be crucified, he doesn't want to be crucified like his Lord, and he requests actually to be crucified upside down, is what history tells us. So what happened? See, if you're making this up, if it's just a legend, you're not going that far with it. If you're, you're just kind of trying to trick other people or you're making up a story, you, you don't go that far with it. You don't, you don't go that way. And so, 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 so something happened. And here's, here's where it starts. Here's what we see happening. Stooping, verse 5, to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there. That's John. He saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. So now John sees it, he understands, he believes Jesus isn't there, but he's saying, we didn't understand, we, didn't, we forgot what Jesus told us. What's, what's amazing about this whole story, too, is that, 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 that Jesus' enemies knew they mentioned that, oh, he said he might rise the third day. But his own disciples are so bewildered. Life looks so unexpected for them. They, they're, they're still taking it back. They still won't fully get it. And then, verse 10, which is one of the craziest verses in here, the disciples went back to their homes. And I know what you're thinking. You mean you guys could go out and you decided to go home? Like, we're thinking, no, 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 we're free. Let's go. I want to go to the beach. I want to go do whatever I used to do. And now, but they get to go back to their homes. They end up coming back. But after Peter and John get there, they see all these things. They leave. When they come back, well, they come back later. We'll see them the next. But then Mary comes back. Or maybe, you know, she sticks around after they leave, whatever it is. Look at verse 11. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. She's weeping. And as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb. And when she looks in the tomb, she saw two angels. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman... Why are you weeping? What a great question. Woman, why are you weeping? And so, so, so she says, listen, if, if you knew, if you knew what really was going on, I'm not sure you'd be as sad as you are. I'm not sure that this would, this would, this would, would react this way. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. She, 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 her expectations were unmet. She expected him to be there, but he wasn't there. She doesn't even understand yet that he's risen. Having, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Isn't that great? And so, so that's, that's what I want you to see. Jesus says, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? 
And so, so when he says this, when he says this, she's saying, <laughs> Jesus is asking her, what's, what's going on? Hey, just like, you know what, just like, just, um, don't put the scripture thing up there anymore. Just do the cameras. They can look in their Bible. I'm getting distracted by all that back there. So I just want to know that I can see you. If I look at what I'm seeing here, I'll peek over there, whatever it is. But I want you to get this. Listen, when Jesus asks her, why are you weeping and what are you seeking? Uh, he's asking this question. She still doesn't recognize it's him. And I wonder if today he's not asking you that question. I wonder if today he's not, he's not asking you, saying, why are you so upset right now? What is, what's going on here? And, and maybe to evaluate in your own heart, why, why am I not okay? Is it because my life, my circumstances are not what I wanted them to be? And maybe it's because whom you were seeking to make you okay, who you were looking to to make yourself okay, was not who could really make you okay. You were thinking that dude was going to make you okay. You were thinking that job was going to make you okay. You were thinking if the doctor just told you you were all better, you'd be fine. But the reality is your problem is way bigger than any sickness, any disease, any, any other problem you've ever faced. It's bigger than your family. It's bigger than your past. The problem is your sin has separated you from God. And if you're seeking anything else to make you right, you're never going to be okay. But Jesus, Jesus is going to say, if you will trust me, Jesus says, if you will believe that I have risen from the dead, that means I beat your greatest foe. That means you can have hope if you will just trust Jesus. And that's what he asks her. He says, Mary, Mary, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she doesn't get it. She supposes him to be the gardener. And she said to him, sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. So apparently this looks like she has means. She says, I'll go take care of his body. I want to know where he is. I just, I, I came here expecting it to look one way and it looks completely different. I don't know what to do. And Jesus at that moment, at that moment, Jesus said to her, Mary. And when he says her name, when he says her name, and it's just like the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him at first. She didn't recognize him at first. But when he spoke her name, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, means master, means Lord. And then he said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but I go to my brothers and say to them. Now, when he says that, he's saying, listen, I'm going to be around for a little while. You don't have to hold on to me right now. I'll be here for a while. In fact, when I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's going to be better. But he's, he's telling her, listen, I, I, I want you to go. He's commissioning her to be the first evangelist. I want you to go and tell my brothers. And say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So she is the first person in the Bible, the person that other people had written off, the person that had seven demons, someone that didn't have any really political power or power and was oppressed during that time. This is the person God chose. This is who God chose. And Jesus personally commissioned to be the first person person to proclaim the fact that he had risen from the dead and go tell his apostles his disciples so wherever you've been or whatever you've done i want you to know that god is not looking at what other people are looking at and what culture says this is what i need to use to work through this is who i need you to be in order for me to love to give life to because listen if you will just trust me if you'll just believe that i'm risen from the dead i will give you a future and a hope that you can't even imagine i will forgive you i will love you i will be the father to you that you that, that you need that's what he says, and that's what Easter's about, because when he defeated death, death is what we deserve, and because of the gospel says, listen, our sin deserves death, Jesus died in our place, but then he beat death, and so when you trust him and you believe in him, you get forgiveness, you get to live with him. It's amazing. Man, I'm running short on time, so, so just read 19, and, and, and verse 19, the disciples are hiding, they're all scared, and Jesus shows up to them, but there's one guy that's not there in, in verse 19, 
and that's Thomas. Apparently he had a bad cough, and so they made him go quarantine for a week. So he's away from everybody else for seven days. And if you have your Bible, look back down in verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin. That was his nickname. I think he's got another nickname, right, isn't it? What is it? Doubting Thomas, right? But I think that's about I think he's thinking Thomas or twin Thomas. That'd be better. But he's Thomas the thinker, really, not Thomas the doubter. Because Thomas, he, in the, and so he wasn't with them. And the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place his finger, my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I'll never believe. And, and he gets a bad rap for that, but I don't think he should because I kind of identify with Thomas. I think Thomas is just saying, Peter, look, I saw you deny him. John, you were trying to kill people. I mean, you, I know you guys. Look, I just want to know for myself. I don't want to take other people's word for it. I want to experience this myself. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. That's why I want, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to trust him today. But if you're not ready to do that, don't take my word for it. Go and read this book. Go read the Gospel of John. Get to know who he is. I want you to know you can trust him. He's worth following. He's way better maybe than some people have misrepresented him to you. He loves you. And so, so, so Thomas just wants to see him for himself. In fact, Thomas is the guy, Thomas is the guy that when they were going to see um, when Lazarus had died and Jesus is going back toward Jerusalem, all the disciples know that if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to get killed. Thomas says, hey, let's go so we can die with him. Thomas is the guy in John 14 that asked Jesus the question. He said, Jesus, where are you going? We don't know where you're going or how can we know the way? And Jesus answers Thomas in John 14, 6 and says, Thomas, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Thomas gets a better rap. Thomas is actually a pretty good believer. He's, he's kind of a thinker and he's saying, listen, I want to know this for myself. And maybe that's where you are. And that's, I mean, that's where I was. When I, before I became a believer, for a period of time, I was an atheist. And I remember kind of coming back to church and wanting to believe, but just feeling like I just couldn't do it. And I remember being 19 years old, 18 years old, 19 years old, driving around in my 88 Chevy Beretta. It's a hot rod. It's a fancy car. And I remember driving and praying, actually crying, talking to God, saying, God, I want to believe. I want to believe. But I just can't right now. In fact, if you would just show up right here in the passenger seat, which I'm sure he'd probably wear a seat, I don't know, he wouldn't, God wouldn't need a seatbelt. But if you would show up, if I could see you in the passenger seat, then I'll believe. He never showed up for me. I haven't seen him yet, but you know what he did? He, he, he helped me understand this book, and looking through this word and spending time with his people, he did, he's opened my eyes. I can tell you today, I will bet my life on the fact that he is real. I've seen him heal people. I've seen him change lives. I've seen him forgive. I've seen, he's so real. You can trust him. And Thomas just says, I just want to know this for myself. So then, eight days later, it's Sunday again, in verse 26, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. That's what Jesus brings you. Because if you know that you're right with God, if you know that Jesus is alive and you know that he loves you, then you can have peace even though you can't get the stuff you want at the store. You can still have peace even though you can't go visit the person you want to see in the hospital. You don't, it's not easy. But, but you still have this peace that, God, even though this is a mess right now, I know that you're going to work it out and I can trust you because you beat death. You're the king and I can trust you and you can handle all of this. And so eight days later, he comes and he says, peace be with you. And in verse 27, he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. See, and I think that's what he's saying to you today, some of you today. Those of you that know Jesus, even there, like we're tempted not to believe. God, I don't think this is going to work out okay. I don't know how it's going to be all right. Believe and trust. He's got this. But those of you that don't know him, I want to invite you today to believe him. Trust him. Surrender your heart to him. Quit making excuses and blaming hypocrites in the past or whatever you've seen, but man, just, just give your heart to him and trust and believe. 
Here's what's amazing, verse 28. Thomas answered him and he said, my Lord and my God. So now that's, that's there's a whole other sermon there. He declares him to be God. He is God. And when he does this, that means that he controls your destiny, controls the universe. You can trust him. Jesus says, you have believed. Here's where you're in the Bible. Have you believed, Thomas, because you've seen me? He says, that's a good thing, Thomas. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. That's you. That's me. Jesus is talking about us here. Just like he was, we saw Wednesday night in John 17 praying for us. He's talking about us here. Saying we're blessed if we believe. Will you believe? And not just acknowledge, but will you surrender? Will you trust Jesus? Because that's where you're going to find life. Because look at 30 and 31 again. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. There's a lot more that he did, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe. I'm getting too close. So that you may believe. So you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's, that's what this is about. So you can have life. In fact, that's the theme all through the book of John. So, so when you wake up on Easter Sunday and you can't do what you normally did and your life may not look like you expected it to look, I want you to know you still have hope for life. In fact, I want to just walk through the Gospel of John with you just real quick. Let's look. There's 47 times. We're not going to look at all 47, but 47 times in at least my translation of the Bible in ESV, he, John uses the word life. Um, most of those, the word Zoe that's used out there, and, and all of these that we're going to read, it's the same exact Greek word. But, but one of the first times we see John using this word, look at this. I want you to see that you can have life in Jesus real quick. John chapter 1, verse 4, it's talking about Jesus who was the word and was with God and created everything. But in verse 4, it says, In him, Jesus, there was life. And this life was the light of men. If you have your Bible, you can flip over, just jot these down, look them up later. You can replay this and, and, and check it out. Um, Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 14. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. As Moses did that, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 16. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Hmm. So John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. Oh, this is scary. But the wrath of God remains on him. So it's not just like if you, you, you choose to trust Jesus, you're okay. And if you don't, you'll be okay. If you don't, you won't be okay. The wrath of God remains on you. Believe in Jesus today. John 5, 24. Flip over a couple more pages. In John 5, 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes, um, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He's not coming to judgment, but he's passed from death to life. Down further in that chapter, verse 39 and 40, you search the scriptures, Jesus said, because you think in them you have eternal life, and, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Go to chapter 6, verse 40. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Look down at verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. You want life, you believe in Jesus. Verse 63 of chapter 6. It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. This isn't something you work yourself up to. God gives you life when you believe in Him. Eternal life. The words I've spoken to you, Jesus said, are spirit 
in her life. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him. Answer, a lot of people were leaving and bailing on Jesus. And Jesus asked his disciples, are you going to leave me too? And Simon says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And flip over a couple of chapters to chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. All those things you put your expectations on that were less than Jesus, that you thought this was what will make me right, you found out that it really just stole from you. It never really satisfied. But Jesus says, I have come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. A couple of verses down from there in verse 28, Jesus says, I give them my sheep that hear my voice and follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one. No one, no virus, no government, no circumstance will snatch them out of my hand. Go over to 11.25. Jesus told Martha as she's sitting there weeping for her brother Lazarus who has died, who Jesus is going to bring back from the dead. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he asked her, same thing I ask you, do you believe this? And then we get to the the quote that came in response to Thomas's question. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want life, you need Jesus. You're not getting around that. You don't get around the cross. You've got to trust him. You've got to believe in him. You've got to give your heart to him. So I wonder this morning, if your expectations, have you, have you done this? Have you trusted Jesus? In fact, there's one quote I want to show everybody here real quick at the end, because there's a quote from C.S. Lewis I mentioned one before, but here's the reality. Where Mary was, where Thomas was, where you are, sometimes if we have our expectations, we think that's what's going to make us okay, and it's not. In fact, when they don't meet those things, that's a gift from God when we realize these things, our circumstances, are never going to really satisfy us. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, most people, most people, if they had really learned to look in their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. You know. Not that one. There's one earlier in the, in the thing somewhere. It's shorter. Hopefully it's there. <laughs> there it is. Most people know they, know, they know that there's something else that can be had in this world. They are, there are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you. But they never quite keep their promise. And he said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most prob probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And listen, listen to me. You were made for another world. And the reason this book was written, the reason all this is here, is so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that in believing, you can have life in His name. I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to do that, even right now. Easter Sunday and the weirdest Easter probably that in my lifetime at least. Would you trust Jesus this morning? Will you believe? See, because the Bible says we're all sinners, every one of us. There's nobody, there's nobody that um, deserves forgiveness. In fact, the Bible says that, that, that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And if you acknowledge that, if you know that, you realize that. And the Bible also says the wages of sin is death. If you'll turn from your sin, Jesus can forgive you because he still loves you even though you're a sinner, while you're a sinner. In fact, Romans 5, 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's not waiting for you to get your act together. He's waiting for you to acknowledge that you don't have your act together. And if you will turn from your sin and you will trust him, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, that's Jesus, 
and Lord means that he's your ruler, he's your leader, you'll trust him, you'll follow him. When you believe, it's not just acknowledging, that's called a census faith, it's giving mental assent to it. But real belief is saying, Jesus, here's my life, so now God, how do you want me to date this person? How do you want me to respond to my marriage? How do you want me to, how do you, what do you want, I, I want to live for you. I want to forgive the way you want me to forgive. I want to love the way you want me to love. I, I want to follow you. I believe that you are what makes me right with God, and so you're my king now. If you'll surrender to him, he says he'll forgive you. Would you do that? Imagine what it would look like for a group of people that regardless of the circumstances we faced, we had joy and found meaning and purpose, even when life didn't meet our expectations. Because our, life and joy, our lives and our joy were not dependent on our changing circumstances, but our life was in Jesus who never changes. So you might not... You might not, your life might not look the way you expected it, but you can still believe and find real meaningful life in Him. In fact, would you pray with me? Everybody, let's just pray together for a moment. You just bow your heads with me. And, and if you're, you're, you're at home and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to trust Him right now. When I was 19 years old, when I was 19 years old, I, I walked into a room with a friend that had been kind of teaching me the Bible, and I said, I don't think I'm a Christian. And they said, well, you know, what, you know what you need to do? You need to trust Him. And I remember, I remember it was July 15th, 1989. I knelt on this floor with those weird tile floor. I knelt down and I just prayed. I, and he just led me through this prayer that was sort of like this. It wasn't about magic words, but it was this moment. And, and those of you that, God's already been working in your heart. When you just step across the line and surrender to him, he, he led me through a prayer like this. I want to leave you as well. And so just tell him, just right where you are. He can hear you. Just say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've broken your law may not have had seven demons like Mary. Maybe it felt like I had more, but Lord, I need you to deliver me. I need you to help me. So Jesus, today I want to turn away from my sin. I want to trust you. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. I'm surrendering my heart to you. I want to follow you now for the rest of my life. I believe. I need life. If you pray a prayer like that, or you, uh, or you want to surrender, you want to talk more about it, please contact us. Go to our website. Click on the connection card link. Let us know. Those of you that know Jesus, will you take a few moments and just pray for your neighbors? Pray. Use, use today as an opportunity to share the gospel. Talk about Jesus today with your family. Sit back and realize that even though life may not be what we expected it to be, that he is king and he is in charge. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you love us and that you are here and that even though life may not look the way we expected it to look, we're seeking you, we're going to find life. And I pray that, that, that the, those around us that don't know you, they would look at the way that your children have abundant life and that you would give us the opportunity to share that life with them, to share love with them, to help them see how great you are. I pray that your will will be done in every heart and every life that's here. I pray not only for, for those watching here, but all the other churches that are broadcasting the gospel this morning, that you would just, just, just start a mighty revival in this nation today. God, be glorified here and now. Lord, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for hearing for us. Help us to, to face life when it doesn't meet our expectations with joy and with hope because our life really is in you, not our circumstances. And we want to be like Mary. We want to be like John. We want to be like Peter. We want to be faithful and we want to finish well. Help us do that. Ask all this in Jesus' name.